When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Trade me. Trade me. Nothing personal word of the day. It's Monday, February 6th, 2023. Kyrie woke up one morning in the last 72 hours and said, please trade me. I'm not happy being in Brooklyn. I want to go where I can win. I want to go where I can lose. I just want to go. Joseph Sy got the news. And a few moments later, he was a member of the Dallas Mavericks. Kyrie Irving has teamed up with Luka Doncic and Mark Cuban has decided that Luka needs a superstar buddy. And it doesn't matter if that buddy won in Cleveland with LeBron and has been a total unmitigated disaster ever since. He's gonna go to Dallas and it's all gonna be good. But how did we possibly get there? And why did the Nets give in to Kyrie Irving's trade demand? Let's break it down if you don't mind. Joseph Sy, the owner of the New Jersey Nets and the Brooklyn Nets, both. It's really just the Brooklyn Nets. Four, eight, 69, we're live. Joseph Sy is the owner of the Brooklyn Nets and said, why don't we get ourselves a big three? We're gonna do better than the Miami Heat. We're gonna bring in, wait for it, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. They're gonna get together. The Nets are gonna be favored to win a championship. We're gonna win, baby. Bless you. Are you okay? You have a fever? Wait, is this a pandemic? Ah, crikeys. A few things go wrong, I'll grant you. A few injuries, a few I don't want to be vaccinated, maybe a little love for an anti-Semitic movie. Whatever the case may be, you had some issues. Let's go one player at a time. James Harden, member of the Nets, says, trade me, get rid of me and they find a home for him in Philadelphia and bring back Ben Simmons. All of a sudden, you're trading a former MVP, James Harden, and you're bringing in someone who had been a headache with the Sixers. I think we can all acknowledge there were mental health issues, and I have great respect for that. There were back issues. I have great respect for that. Whatever the case may be, there were issues with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. So the Nets said, we'll trade you, our guy who's a pain in the ass, for your guy. And guess what? Ben Simmons gets to the Nets and it doesn't get much better. Then we wake up last off season 
And Kevin Durant walks into Joe Psy and says, trade me, I'm not happy anymore. Joe Psy calls him in the office and says, no, we're not trading you. Go back to your offseason, show up for training camp, and let's win some damn games. Kevin Durant stands up and says, yeah, we're good. We're going to go forward. But I really don't like Steve Nash as my coach. Joe Psy is an owner who gets players walking into his office every month and good stick saying, I don't like the coach. I don't like the GM. I don't like my teammates. I don't like our uniform. I don't like our team bus. I don't like our video guy. No offense to the video guy. Maybe it's not the video guy. You getting my point? Something's always going on where they're complaining and then they're getting their way. But Durant didn't get his way, did he? Hmm. Kyrie Irving wakes up and says, trade me. All of a sudden, the Lakers are calling, the Suns are calling, the Clippers are rumored to be offering a package. And I have an opinion here as someone who's run a team. If you let players continue to walk into your office and dictate your moves, you're never going to win. Have the Nets won with their big three? No. Now you're going to say they didn't play together. When they did, they were 13-3. and three. When you had Harden and Durant and Irving, they were a juggernaut. 13-3. and three. Way to go. Hold on. Have any jewelry with that? Anything? Anything? Oh, there were injuries, David. I don't care. We're consequentialists in the game and the business of sports. It doesn't matter that we try hard. It doesn't matter that we care. What matters is how we do on the field. That's right. One successful season in 18 years, and I'm looked at as a POS. Fine. I'll wear it. The Nets, zero. One at a time. They're walking in the revolving door and getting what they want. If I'm Joe and Kyrie walks into my office, what exactly has Kyrie been to the Nets other than trouble? Suspended this year, not playing because he didn't want to get vaccinated. And then he walks in and you say, no problem. We're going to go full Derek Carr. You make calls, we'll make calls. We'll huddle back. We'll do a campfire, maybe some s'mores, and we'll see where the best deal is, both for you and for me. No. If I've made the decision to trade the player, which I wouldn't have done in this case, I would have sent him to Detroit or Houston. Let him go to last place. But instead, they're taking offers. You've got LeBron James who's tweeting about, hey, I don't run this team. I got nothing to do with the Lakers. It's all about Rob. They offered Westbrook and two first round picks and the Nets said, pretty good. I think we can do better. So how does that happen? Well, Kyrie walks in, demands the trade. And instead of Joe saying, Kyrie, show up. You're not going to sit down. You're not going to not play. There's a rule in basketball just to protect against this type of player empowerment, just to help owners deal with these sort of requests. The rule is simple. If you're a pending free agent and you do not play when you're a healthy scratch, if you will, and you choose not to play, Guess what? You do not get the service time. You don't become a free agent. You think Kyrie was going to follow through on some sort of threat that you may or may not have read about? A threat that said, I'm good. I'm just going to sit. What a dream if he would have done that. Then you don't have to pay him. So he's not going to do that. He's going to play. 
and we've seen Kyrie playing with the Nets. It's not like he's a schlepper. He's averaging 30 points a game. They're winning without Durant. They're holding steady in the West, in the Eastern Conference. Are they a real title threat? No, but they're not terrible. They're certainly no worse off or better off than they are after the trade with the Mavericks. Addition by subtraction. That's what the GM, Sean Marks, could have walked into Joe's office and said, listen, it's enough. He already made us fire Steve Nash, he along with Kevin, et cetera. Jacques Vaughn's been great. We're 32 and 20. We're primed. I think we're going to get hot. We got 30 games left, and we're going to go right into May and June, and we're going to be there. If that's really what Sean Marks thought, he would have been able to convince Josiah that, and they would have told Kyrie Irving to pound sand. In fact, what they must have believed is not having him on the team would be better than keeping him for the rest of the year and then letting him go. Better not because they got draft picks, better not because they got role players from the Mavericks, better because they thought for their team this year and going forward that that was better because that's how you're going to make decisions, not just better for now. Your job as the fan is to be better for now. That's all you care about. When you're running a team, you've got to be better now and also think about later, because by the way, later is now. Next season already starts in October. We're in February. We're eight months away from next season. So you bring in the role players. You say to your owner, we can do this trade. We can do that trade. And if I'm the owner, I say, Sean, great. I'm very happy. We're not trading them. And the reason why I said it, and the reason why other owners in the NBA are paying attention to what happened with the Nets, is that by giving in to a trade request like that, you think it was not strategic that he made it heading up into the deadline with enough time to meet with as many teams as possible and to get a trade done? I think it just came out of the blue. I think he woke up at 6 a.m., went to the beach in Miami, looked out in his camera and said, trade me. This is totally calculated. What's going to stop the next player? What's going on in that clubhouse right now in New Jersey? God damn it. What's going on in that clubhouse in Brooklyn right now? Old habits die hard, baby. You think the other players aren't aware of how to get to Joe? You think I didn't live with that every day when players knew that if they went over my head and wanted certain things, they could get certain things from our owner? It happened every day. There were certain things you couldn't go over my head about, but certain things you could. And if you know that you have the ability to go to your owner, demand the trade, and you're going to get the trade, what exactly stops the next player from doing that? What stops your sales and marketing team from looking at you and saying, hey, we just signed a free agent, but eh, we can say the money's guaranteed, but we have no way of knowing how long he's going to stay because he could wake up tomorrow and say, I want to go, and then you're going to let him go. What kind of credibility do you have with future players? What kind of credibility do you have with current players? And this has ramifications throughout the league. You think other owners were rooting for Joe to give in to Kyrie and trade him? Even Mark Cuban? Mark Cuban may be a different story. We're going to talk about him in a second. You think that every other owner was looking and saying, wow, we got to put a stop to this. We have to make it very clear that employees are not running the show here. We are running the show. And the way you run the show and the way you win is by putting a team together that you believe is right, getting the right coaching staff in place, and then admitting if you're wrong, you make the moves when you deem it appropriate. But David, all of you objectors on Twitter at David P. Sampson said, but David, look what they did. 
They got all these picks. They could churn those picks, get another player before the deadline. Why would you ever keep a player and just let him go at the end of the season? You're not getting anything. That's not good business. Really? Do you know how many teams keep players through the end of their contracts or through the end of their free agent deal and then let them go and don't get anything back, but you use the money to replace them. So you do get something back. You get all that salary cap room to use. Oh, the Red Sox are idiots for letting J.D. Martinez go. I can't believe the Dodgers didn't do anything with Justin Turner. Pending free agents are not all moved right before they're going to be done. Sometimes you have to either make an example or go with what you got because you think it's best for your team in the current moment. And you know that in the long term, you're not going to re-sign him, but the Nets offered him close to a max. That was eyewash. Kyrie Irving wasn't going to accept anything other than the actual max max. He wasn't going to accept incentives. You know how many times we make offers to players knowing they're not going to accept it so we can say we made offers? Oh, we wanted them, all right. KD, we really tried. I swear to God, we tried. Kyrie Irving is a player that if you have him on your team, you're not going to win. He hasn't even played 60 games in a season for the Mets in four years. The Nets were very reasonable in saying, you want to talk Max? We're willing to forgive everything you've done. What a total POS you've been and we'll offer you, but it's with incentives. Kyrie Irving scoffed. That's bad faith. I don't think it's bad faith. I think incentives are great. So Mark Cuban is looking at his team, trying to figure out current versus future. He's got a free agent pending. His name was Jalen Brunson. Remember him? Playing for the Mavericks? Got tampered by the Knicks? Signed with the Knicks? What did he sign? 40 years, 104 or something? He's a point guard, right? Hmm. Would they have been able to keep Jalen Brunson at $25 million a year and keep both Finney Smith and Dinwiddie? Oh, by the way, keep the picks and have Brunson. Who is worse than Kyrie? By a hair? But given his makeup, Brunson's makeup first class, given him in the clubhouse, given the fact of his level of distraction, hold on, better than Kyrie Irving. So what, Mark Cuban thought Jalen Brunson wasn't the guy wanted to put a star next to Luca. Mark Cuban has one ring and there's only thing one better than one ring and that's two rings and he's been chasing it, trying to keep Luca happy, trying to figure out how to build around him. How does that phone call go? Hey, Luca, you've read about what's happening. Are you busy? Can I just have you for one second? We can, we can bring in Kyrie. You think Luca wanted Kyrie? You think Luca said, hey, bring in a star. I don't care that he's a diva. I don't care that he doesn't want to be vaccinated. I don't care about any of it. I care about winning. Well, Mark, are we better with Kyrie and without two draft picks that we could have done something with, plus the two role players who you need to win a title? Is that the opportunity that we have to win is bringing in Kyrie? And then what are you going to do? Sign him to the max? And then what are we going to do? What's your plan? You think there was enough time for Cuban and Luca to discuss their salary cap plan and who they're going to surround him with? It's absolutely a joke. So for everyone out there saying, oh, Luca must have been spoken to, he must be all in and all excited, forget it. He shrugged his shoulders. But Cuban made the move. What about the ramifications then around the Western Conference? Do you think Rob Palenka 
came down to the clubhouse and said, LeBron, let's focus on you passing Kareem in the next two days. Don't forget you need 36 points. Don't forget we're playing Milwaukee in three days. And I think that would be stupendous if you could just score 28 or 29 points on Tuesday and then score seven more on Thursday. That would be amazing because then you do it against the Bucks, Kareem's old team. You'll do it in the first quarter. They'll stop the game. It'll still be perfect. LeBron's like, what are you talking about? Why don't we have Kyrie Irving here? We tried. No one wants your guy, LeBron. No one wants Westbrook. We tried to trade him everywhere. We're trying every day to trade him everywhere. We'll take back crap. No one wants him. That's why I'm in charge now. Well, Rob, it's your team. LeBron even said it publicly. That's a Rob question when asked about acquiring Kyrie. And then he used the word, duh, when asked whether the Lakers would be better off with a player like that. Yeah, duh, no, they wouldn't. What about the Mavericks asking Kyrie for a window to extend him? You think that happened? Everyone's saying that something must be going on. You're not gonna trade two picks, two role players to get Kyrie for four months. That's the worst rental of all time. Why would you do that when you're sitting at 28 and 26? They've got the fourth best chance of winning the West now. <laughs> Having the fourth best chance to win the West means you're barely holding on to home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. The Dallas Mavericks are not close to the best team in the Western Conference. The addition of Kyrie Irving does not make them close to the best team in the Western Conference. As a matter of fact, I'll go even one step further. I'll do an official wait to see for you. An official wait to see that right now the Dallas Mavericks are 28 and 26. They have a winning percentage of 519. They are gonna have a worse winning percentage with Kyrie than they had without. And I don't mean in games where he's not playing and we're gonna have to calculate that, forget it. From this point forward, the Mavericks will not have a better record than they had. They are not a better team losing Finney, Smith, and Dinwiddie than they were with Kyrie. The amount of baggage that comes with him requires four porters and two full lockers. They didn't get to discuss an extension. People are talking about the rumors they're gonna live with him. I always like that. I would always say that to the owner, it was pretty funny. Hey, let's live with him first before we make a huge commitment. He'd be like, forget it, sign him to the full five-year deal, six-year deal, four-year deal. We're good, the, the agent said he was good. I spoke to some people who I know, you're gonna be fine. I like the idea of taking a rental and then deciding whether you're gonna extend him. The Mavericks can offer him two years, 80 million bucks. If he goes all the way to free agency, the Mavericks can offer him a full four years just at a max a little under what the Nets can offer. Why not see what he's like up close and personal and whether or, not, whether or not he likes his Game Boys in his locker? Is that too subtle, Coca? Remember when Cuban first came in and everyone was so excited to go play for the Mavericks because he made their locker room all cool and get them all big chairs. They all had their own Game Boys at their, at their cubicle. Everyone's like, oh, this is awesome. Give me a break, seriously. You know, in our wait to sees, we tell you whether or not they happen. We tell you when they don't. Do you remember on January 19th of 2023, we said the Mavericks are gonna add? I'm gonna take a yes on that, but I hear you if you're gonna argue that they actually subtracted, but I'm taking the yes. And over two years ago, 
on January 13th of 2021. Two years ago, I said to you, Kyrie Irving will not finish his contract with the Nets. That's a yes, because he didn't. All right, let's switch gears right now to the old trade me when it comes to baseball. Fans get very nervous about players being upset. It's the weirdest thing. I never understood it as a team president when I'd get emails or people come up to me at games. Is this player upset with you? Is this player happy? Is this player unhappy? Players are happy. They're unhappy. It's like you. Sometimes we're good. Sometimes we're bad. Sometimes we have good days at work and you and you go four for four. Sometimes you have bad days at work and go 0 for four. Sometimes you get home and you fight with your significant other. Sometimes you go home and it's on like Donkey Kong, right? It just, it depends. They're just people. We're just people. We're all the same. Squat to pee. People are all nervous in baseball with this system of arbitration. I got so many people on Twitter asking me after Max Freed, the pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, lost his arbitration case to the Atlanta Braves this weekend. This is terrible. He's not gonna wanna re-sign with the Braves and he's gonna be so upset during spring training and during the season, he's not gonna be good for us and we need him to be good for us. It's horse hockey. The players are fine. Max Freed got $13.5 million and not $15 million. Max Freed went to arbitration over a million and a half dollars because the union said to Max Freed, we would like you with one year of arbitration remaining, so he's a four plus player, we would like you to move the entire class of pitching up. You've got a second place Cy Young award in your platform year. Last year, he was in second place to Sandy Alcantara. So we would like to see you at 15 because the people who come behind you, we can move them all up the ladder. That's all arbitration is. It's getting players to move the salary structure. And owners, through the commissioner, are trying to keep the salary structure down. That's it. I've gone to arbitration with famous players, Miguel Cabrera, Dan Ugla. I've gone to arbitration with players I never met before. Traded for Kevin Gregg, took him to arbitration. I've passed notes with players during arbitration hearings because I never missed one. Every arbitration hearing, I was sitting there at the table looking at the player while telling him how much he sucks and then texting or passing notes. Hey, love you, man. We're all good here, right? I didn't say we're all good here, right? And I said love you to a couple of them. But what I was really doing was letting the player know that it's just business, that the very nature of arbitration is just business. Agents would have you feel that there are feelings involved and they do it because owners are subject to actually falling for that poppycock. They're actually subject to getting a call from, from an agent and the agent says, you don't wanna bring my player to arbitration. It's gonna impact whether or not he signs with you as a free agent. It's gonna impact his performance on the field. The owner calls the president and says, hey, we got a problem. The president calls the GM and says, hey, we don't have a problem, but upstairs there's a problem. There's no problem. Go ask any player whenever you meet him at the next autograph signing. How upset are you, Max, that you're only gonna make $2 million a month? But agents are smart because there have been many, many arbitration settlements done following those phone calls. There are owners meetings where the commissioner would actually sit in front of us and he would say, listen, your phones are gonna ring. Can you do me a favor and not respond? Can you leave the agents to the general managers and the presidents, please? Why do you hire people under you to run your business and then undermine your business 
by falling prey to psychological warfare. It's insanity. Second only to writing checks because your team loses money and games. What are you doing? You're right, bud. You're right, Rob. We got to try to do better. So my message to you all is that Max Fried will take the mound as the best starter in one of the best rotations for one of the best teams in the National League. He will not give the arbitration process one single thought. You know who else won't? For all of you Marlins fans out there, and so many of you are not Marlins fans, thank you for everybody outside of Florida who are big fans of nothing personal. The Marlins made a big trade. They got the batting title winner last year from the Twins, Luis Arez, immediately brought him to arbitration. He was asking 6-1. The team was offering 5-5. And Arez beat him. Does that mean he's all of a sudden happier? that he's out of a contending team in the AL Central and not a non-contending team in the NL East? Is he happy? Of course he's gonna say he's happy in Miami because he's happy on his new team. When players are traded, they always say they're happy because it means someone wanted them. Conversely, it means someone didn't want them. But they walk into the arbitration room before having even met the guy, and they're talking to them about his defensive liabilities, his lack of power, and the fact that 5-5 is more than reasonable for a batting title special accomplishment. 5-5 as a arbitration eligible player when he still has two years left? This is no joke. You're paying him like a superstar. I was trying to think, Coke, and there's no way to find it this quickly while we're live. Although we're always live. What did Cabrera make his first year of arbitration? I want to say 7-4, but it may have, that may have been Willis's first year, Cabrera's first year, could have been 6-1. Whatever the case is, these were superstar players making these amount of monies back then. Now you've got more average to above average players making this kind of money. The arbitration system, which we've talked about, is a sick system that owners would love to get rid of, beyond love to get rid of. What do you got for me, Coca? It was 7-4. I don't remember anything. It's so, I get into arguments with people, not like real arguments. I don't fight with friends or family. I really not, that's not my style. And because uh, I remember certain things very well and, and sometimes I can't pronounce a name or remember a thing. But 7.4 in February of 07. Anyway, you're okay, Atlanta, don't worry. Max Fried is not walking in to the office of Terry McGurk, the president of the Braves and saying, trade me. All right, when we come back, we're gonna review a documentary that just came out on Netflix, and then we're gonna talk a little Shohei Otani. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. 
If you're watching this live, thank you. Tell all your friends about it. Tell them to subscribe to YouTube. You just saw a commercial about UEFA. Winning is all that matters. Okay. I guess that's true. Unless you're Manchester City and you violate the rules. That's a developing story coming today. Teams are violating these financial fair play rules left, right, and center, and they're going to get in trouble. Do you think they could possibly be relegated or thrown out of the Premier League? That would be unreal. NGTH, of course, is not going to happen, but is winning everything? Maybe we shouldn't do commercials where winning is everything. Here's what it should be. Winning is everything with a little asterisk that just says, as long as you play by the financial fair play rules and don't lie. All right, watch a movie every day. We review a movie every day or a TV series. I sat down yesterday and I had delayed it for three, two or three days because I was watching some other things. And I sat down and watched all four parts of a new docu-series on Netflix called Gunther's Millions. Here's the story. Gunther is a dog. And this dog is rich. This dog has a trust fund. It's a trust fund dog. And this dog lives like Robin Leach. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. God, that's a boomer reference. So he's got a yacht, he's got houses in Tuscany, there's Miami involved. This dog bought Madonna's house in Miami. I crap you not. The dog's trust bought the house, the dog lived in it, but also lived with his Italian caretaker and five really good looking people who were involved in some sort of experiment that involved sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? It is. This is a four part, 40 minute per part series. You're committed to 160 minutes, that's it. Not even three hours. 60, 120, 180. Two hours and 40 minutes. That's like not even half of Avatar. And you're gonna learn about a story that is absurd. And you know how it ends? Can you spoil? I, I, made, a, I made a deal with Levitard actually. I made a deal that I'm gonna go one month after something's been out one month, I am fine with spoiling. Gunther's Millions is not out a month, but hear me now and listen to me later. You will get through this series back to back to back to back. And you will look at it and you'll say, first of all, there's a lot of good looking men and good looking women on this series. Second, you'll say, is that dog really that rich? Third, you're gonna say, he has his own chef. Fourth, you're gonna say, could this really have happened? And fifth, you're gonna say, I wonder what's going on now. And sixth, you're gonna say, is someone in jail? And seventh, you're gonna say, because Miami. Gunther's millions, watch it, you'll like it. I promise. Shohei Otani, what a year. What do you think's going on in his mind right now? Don't get hurt. Whatever you do, please keep my elbow strong. No soft tissue injuries that keep me out a long time. Nothing that's of any structure. Do not ever go to the doctor that's used by the Giants and the Mets. Maybe play in the postseason. That'd be cool. Shohei Otani is uh, an interesting free agent case. And I say that with a straight face because he's the most interesting free agent case of any player I've come across in the past 23 years. It's not even close. Shohei Otani is the top of the rotation starter. Shohei Otani is the middle of the order bat. Both at the same time. Shohei Otani is heading into free agency. If you went into free agency to get a pitcher, top of your rotation, and a bat, 
you're going to spend at least $25 million each. So he's worth at least $50 million a year. It's not even a question. Because even if he gets hurt, he can still hit. And even if he stops hitting, he can still pitch. Then he just becomes a little overpaid. So you can break it down where it's incentives based on games finished, games started, at-bats to make sure that he stays being a two-way player. All of that's fine and dandy. But here we are on February 6, 2023, one week away from spring training starting, which is incredible. Inc- incredible. Sound like Dudley Moore and Arthur, and I promise you I haven't had a drink this morning. As much as I may have wanted to, I stuck with water. We need a water sponsor, Coca. I'm tired of ripping labels off water. I am not going to rip labels anymore. So the reason why spring training is starting a bit early is this year's the World Baseball Classic. The World Baseball Classic is baseball's answer to the Olympics when they were kicked out of the Olympics. You get all the countries come together. You let the professionals play. They have to come to spring training. They're only in your camp for a week. Then they disappear and they start being with their friends in their countries. And what they do with their friends in their countries is they have great warmups. They have great practices. They have great times going out. Everything's great. They play, then they get eliminated, then they come back. Managers hate the World Baseball Classic because their lineups during spring training are not representative. They can't get into a flow. Players are coming and going. It's a total pain in the arse, but you do it. But once in a while, you say, I don't want a player to go. The Yankees just did it with Luis Severino. You can do it because of injury. You can do it if the player doesn't want to play and you take the blame. We've talked about that. You act as the shield for the player. It was announced this weekend that Shohei Otani is playing for Japan. I want to explain to you how significant a move this is. There is a feeling when you are a Japanese player, a feeling about Japan, a feeling about representing your country that is far deeper and far greater than any other country. At me all you want about the US, the Dominican, Venezuela, Netherlands, Israel, Cuba, Name them all, Korea, I don't care. In Japan, players take playing for the Japanese World Baseball Classic team more seriously than they do playing for their Major League Baseball team, which is not to say they don't take that seriously. I had a very, very long conversation with Ichiro. Not look at me, Louie, he was a player of mine, of ours. And we were talking about the World Baseball Classic. And he was saying that he wasn't going to play in a particular World Baseball Classic. And the reason is that the pressure, right, was so significant that he wanted to get ready for the season. And he did not want to not be able to give his best and to help Japan win the World Baseball Classic. So, Ichiro didn't play. And he's the greatest player to ever come out of Japan. There is an argument to be made that Shohei Otani is going to be the greatest player to ever come out of Japan. And for Shohei Otani to agree to play in Japan for this year's World Baseball Classic is incredibly significant. Is he risking greater injury by playing in the World Baseball Classic? I was programmed as a member of the International Committee to say the following to you. Players are not subject to any greater injury by playing in the World Baseball Classic than they are by doing spring training or driving to the grocery store. There is no problem with having the World Baseball Classic in March. Hold on, let me go back to the piece of paper that I was given to read by Major League Baseball. There is no problem playing in the World Baseball Classic because studies have shown that players are not more likely or less likely to get injured by playing in the World Baseball Classic. 
Well, I could argue that when you are pitching the World Baseball Classic and you are pitching for your country and you want to win very badly, you are dialing it up in the middle of spring training when normally you're not dialing it up till April or May, you're doing it in March. That extra month makes a difference even when you start earlier in your off-season preparation and your off-season workouts because you can throw as many bullpens as you want. I love that. Cole Hamels threw a bullpen. He looks great. Annabelle Sanchez threw a bullpen. He looks great. Sign him. You know my view of that, don't you? Say it with me. I'm three. One, two, three. Showcases and bullpens don't mean squat. You get in a game, you're playing in Miami, you're playing in California for the World Baseball Classic, you're playing in Japan. So what right do the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim have with Shohei Otani playing in the World Baseball Classic? Do they have the right to say, we don't want him to pitch? We don't want him to hit? We just want him to hit? Yes, they do. That's part of the unwritten rules that no one talks about that got MLB owners to vote for the World Baseball Classic is that owners and teams have the ability to talk about how their players are gonna be used in the World Baseball Classic. However, you can control the number of pitches, but not the intensity. You can control how many at-bats they get, how frequently they play, but not how fast they run once they try to stretch a single into a double, or once they try to score on a short single to left field from second base when they probably shouldn't. If I'm the Angels of Anaheim, I'm not letting Shohei Otani pitch in Japan. If he does pitch for Japan, is it not possible that the Angels know they're not resigning him anyway? So what's the difference? It's too early for the Angels to know that. Too many things can happen. If the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim by some miracle, and I'm talking about the kind of miracle that parts the Red Sea, I'm talking about the type of miracle where somehow a child is born without a dad type of miracle. If that happens, he could resign with the Angels. If there's a deal in place that was there when he first got to the Angels that somehow anticipated that he'd be one of the best pitchers and one, best, one of the best hitters, it's possible. But in the meantime, he's gonna go to Japan. He's gonna face media scrutiny all year long. That's all that's gonna be talked about is his free agency. Are you happy in LA? Are you upset that you're not winning more? Where are you thinking of signing? And that's before the frenzy starts when the season ends and free agency begins, and then it is game on in terms of lunacy. It's the number one story to watch. Shohei Otani is going to play for Japan in the WBC. He's taking it seriously. And for all of us who think that the USA is the best roster and that the Dominican, look at the Venezuela lineup, yada, yada, yada. Don't ever underestimate Japan. How many of you bet the Suns on Friday when they were getting 10 points from the Celtics? How many of you had the courage? It took courage to take the 10 points on the road, didn't it? The Suns won by what, 12? We could have taken the Suns minus 10 and won our nothing personal pick of the day. 17 and 18, what do we got today? Let's go back to the start of the show, a little callback to the start of the show. Trade me, did you just hear that, Coca? Do you have that, does that get to the microphone? So I was up ridiculously early because I get excited for Monday shows and I was running and I did not eat post-run pre-show and I just had the loudest gurgle and we have these great standard issued CB. Oh no, we don't. I bought this myself microphone and it may have picked up the gurgle. All right, what were we talking about? Ah, callback. Trade me. 
So the Nets play the Clippers. First game post Kyrie. Do we have any information, Coca? Are those guys going to make it there to play tonight? I mean, there may not be flights from Dallas into into New Jersey or Brooklyn, right? I mean, you could fly into Newark and or Kennedy or LaGuardia, or maybe Joe Sy could send a private plane. I don't know when they're showing up. But either way, the Nets are playing the Clippers, and I got a surprise for you about my pick of the day. You ready? Nets plus six and a half versus the Clippers. That line would indicate to me that Leonard and George are playing. It would indicate to me that Finney Smith and Dinwiddie were not going to make the plane. I guess they're going to take their time. They got to pack their bags. Although they tweeted that they were excited. Here's why the Nets are going to win. The players are so happy they don't have to live with the distraction of Kyrie Irving. They're going to go out and play the minutes. His 30 points get sucked up by Curry or somebody else. I love that pick. Nets plus six and a half versus Clippers. All right, the other thing you're going to start reading about and get ready because we're starting with fan fests right now. Teams are having fan fests, which is an excuse to get people together in your ballpark to get them excited. That's not why you do fan fest. Little known secret of why we do fan fest is because we're trying to get in the paper. We're trying to get column inches. We're trying to get newspapers and Twitter accounts, social media. We're trying to get people excited about the baseball season that it's upcoming because we're preparing for Monday, February 13th. Monday, February 13th is a great day in the world of baseball. We circle it every year. Not specifically Monday, February 13th, but we definitely target the day after the Super Bowl. Because then we feel like, all right, we're done with the NFL. We don't have to worry about them. We don't have to be jealous about them. There's one more press release about the hundreds of millions of people who watch the game. And then we can forget about it until draft day. When again, we have to think about it. So the Super Bowl is going to end on this Sunday. Baseball is going to start. So before that, you do these fan fests. And we saw this weekend, the San Diego Padres fan fest. And one of the most unsophisticated takes that was out there in the media and amongst fans was what a brilliant job the Padres have done because they showed a picture of the mall where there was nobody six years ago or one year ago or four years ago when whoever Trump was there. And then they showed the mall now when Biden was there and everybody was there. Remember those pictures fighting over how many people were there and showing pictures of fans and showing what that means about who we like, who we don't like? Well, now we did it for baseball. There was a picture shown of the Padres Fan Fest a few years ago when they stunk, no one there. Then they showed a picture of Padres Fan Fest yesterday. It's packed to the gills. Everyone's there, everyone's excited. There's a season ticket rush. They had to stop selling season tickets. I wasn't focused on that. I was focused on Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, the guy who was suspended for steroids, the guy who is still not going to play at the beginning of this year, who when he comes back, he can't be a shortstop because the Padres said, I've got the perfect plan. Let's bring in Bogarts from the Red Sox. Let's give him a couple hundred mil, have him play short because his agent Scott Boris said he has to play short. Taking advantage of Dan Lozano, the agent of Fernando Tatis, who should have demanded his client play short because Tatis was the face of baseball prior to the needle and wants to get himself back to being the face of baseball. Finally, he's listening to his agent and his PR people, and Tatis has gone on what I'd like to refer to as Madonna's Redemption Tour. I didn't even recognize Madonna last night. I used to love Madonna. 
1984 borderline when it would come on MTV. I would watch MTV before many of you were born. MTV used to show videos of songs and I would actually watch because certain videos were played a lot like take on me and so was borderline. And there was just something about her and borderline. I, that's, I just, I wanted to be Madonna. I don't even recognize her anymore. A little off the deep end, whatever the case may be. Congratulations, Beyonce, by the way. The most decorated Grammy winner in history. Anyway, the redemption tour is what a player does when they realize that they're out of strikes. When they realize they are one mistake away from being traded, one mistake away from being irrelevant, one mistake away from being looked at as the most overpaid, underperforming player ever. Worst contract ever. Players don't want to be associated with that. The redemption tour starts like this. You make appearances in the community. The team makes sure the media is there because you definitely don't make appearances in the community without the media being there. Then you speak to the media while you're handing out turkeys or handing out gifts or signing autographs or signing thighs or taking pictures, whatever it is you're doing. And you say, I am perfectly okay with wherever they play me. I have complete confidence in the Padres organization. I just want to be a great teammate. I want to earn your trust back. He's finally getting it. How many times do we say, why can't players just say what they did and then move on? Acknowledge it. You were wrong. I'm going to do better. Instead, they double down. They triple down. They make mistakes. Tatis is finally taking the advice of his handlers. And guess what? It's going to work. Because there's one thing Fernando Tatis has that other players don't have who make mistakes. Superstar talent. Whether he takes his talent to left field and leaves Soto in right field, or maybe he takes his talents to right field and puts Juan Soto in left field. Either way, he won't be taking his talents to the infield. But every two weeks, he'll be taking his talents to the bank. So the redemption tour starts with, I'm going to do anything you need for as long as you need it. And then it continues when spring training officially opens and you meet the media. And then that's a direct scrum. Then it continues on your first day back after your suspension. Then it continues about three weeks after you're back because the first three weeks, you can say you're rusty, I haven't played in a while. But then you meet the media again and say, look, I've been a model citizen. I've been focused solely on our team. I'm just a member of this team. And I'm here to make sure that my teammates understand that I'm a good teammate. I promise you. What I love about all of this execution of the redemption tour plan is that it actually works. And if you stick to the script, you get out on the other side of your issue and you've made it. You've somehow recalibrated your state within baseball, within your clubhouse, within your sponsors, within your fans. But if you don't follow the formula, you're screwed. If you follow the formula, you win. And how do you win? Wait till that money keeps flowing back into Fernando Tatis. His agents said, and he finally heard the one statement that matters most. It's just business. See you all tomorrow. This is nothing personal. Thank <laughs> you.